in your ear. Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. This is Josh. Uh, Just a quick message before the show starts. We recorded this episode on Monday evening, Eastern Standard Time evening, before Jamal Murray's really unfortunate injury. Um, So he is hurt. We talk about the Nuggets and about him, and um, it's just awful. And Frank and I both uh, wish him a speedy recovery and all the Nuggets and the fans uh, some hope. I think they're still pretty good. Uh, So sorry about the bad news. Anyway, on to the show. Hi, everybody. This is the, wait, which podcast is, this is Balls in Your Ear and the Up in the up in Your Ear podcast network. I gave these things their names and I don't remember them. Uh, my name is Josh and with me, as always, to talk hoops is Frank. Frank is here and um, we're, we're, we missed a week, so we have a lot of catching up to do um, uh, or like half a week or whatever. I don't remember. We missed last week. So we have some NBA and hoops and everything to talk about. Um, so let's dive into it. I want to bring up the first topic. And this okay. first topic. What's, what's your first topic? You, something you, I'm, I'm very I'm excited about. Here. Because you know my favorite player of all time is Sean Kemp, the former power forward for the Seattle Supersonics and Cleveland Cavaliers and... The um, Rain Man. The Rain Man. Um, now, is, is that just because it rains a lot in Seattle? Or is it because he rained down dunks on people? Which doesn't work both ways. And I always spelled it R E I G N. Oh, like he's he like he was the king. Like he was he yeah. was reigning over the amazing. Okay. So it was like a triple pun, and he was wow. like the king of dunks. And if, Sean Kemp's just my favorite player of all time. I I I've bought two basketball jerseys in my entire life, and both of them are Sean Kemp jerseys. That's that's where I'm going to say that. Um, and I'm a Sixers fan, <laughs> but there is a player that I'm not saying he's up there but I'm starting to get these vibes from him. And his name is Miles fucking Bridges on the Charlotte Hornets. And I absolutely love this kid. And he had the dunk of the year a couple days ago. Yes. I saw saw that where he just absolutely locked that ball back at his hip and brought it around as a windmill from outside of the circle. Not the like, not, not the circle of the three point arc, but the little circle that's under the basket he was outside of it when he started and he slammed so hard. He brought the thunder and I just, it was just awesome. The announcers freaked out and um, I freaked out and it was great. I just loved it. And I am that combined with the Hornets just being scrappy and fun and wearing the best uniforms we've seen in basketball in like 20 years right now, those like off blue or whatever. It's kind of like your shirt, Frank. Um, it's like, it's like a muted teal. I don't know how yeah. to call it. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. And I just love it. it and Miles Bridges, you're my new favorite NBA player right now. So shout out to Miles fucking Bridges. Yeah. Uh, Michigan state Spartan Miles Bridges. I remember when, when he came out, he was, uh, yeah, no, there were, there were big expectations for him. Um, although I think he dropped, I think he was a lottery pick, but he was out of the top 10. Yeah, I didn't remember him. I just 
you know, the dunks are there. And I'm, I'm, I'm loving, you the know, Paul <laughs> and Edwards are both being fantastic young players this year. I'm just loving, I'm just loving bridges. Um, okay. So Frank, real quick, the NCAA tournament, I know we're way past that, but that's kind of your <laughs> thing. And I still owe you money for it. Um, oh yeah. The, the um, I, I, I have to admit, I, I fa- my interest faded and every year this happens to me. The first, two rounds of the tournament I fucking love when there's just basketball all the time and it's amazing and there's so many different styles and then when it actually gets to the the best teams I kind of like lose interest a little bit it's really weird yeah no that happens to me a lot too I sort of check out the the first and we we had a really good first weekend it it wasn't like a, a record year for like crazy upsets but there were enough upsets mixed in with enough almost upsets that it made for a lot of good games um, good ball good yeah ball. yeah so I, I love the first weekend and then I, I still always go into the sweet 16 with these really high expectations to see some sick matchups or or hoping that you know a, a team that that um got past a, a few uh a few higher seeded teams in the first few rounds was going to continue the run and it and it hardly ever happens at that once you get to that point so then yeah I, I I'll I'll start watching the sweet 16 and get kind of disappointed um I mean, there were still some really good games and, and I at least was hoping for that. Even, you know, my brackets were basically busted. I, I was hoping, I think we talked last time I needed yeah. Houston to get to the championship game to, to have, have a chance of anything. Um, and once they were out of it, they got smoked too. Baylor got hot and just started. They did. Romping people. You got really hot at the right time. Um, and you know, I was not one of those people when it came down to B- Baylor and Gonzaga, and the way that Baylor was playing, and then me kind of seeing them with my own eyes a little more in this tournament, I was like, these are these are like grown men compared to Gonzaga. Like these, I can see why Gonzaga or why Baylor has more sort of NBA right. bodies on their yeah, team, yeah. And, and I'm seeing it now. And these guys are are kind of hitting the right stride at this time in the tournament. And there's a chance they're going to beat Gonzaga um, like pretty badly, even though Gonzaga was still favored pretty heavily going in, just, you know, they came in undefeated. So people mm-hmm. were thinking they, you know, they, they just know how to win, but I, I didn't, I didn't think they would have the, um, you know, the, the, the athletes to match these, um, really top tier guys on, on Baylor. Especially um, because Gonzaga had kind of gotten, gotten their first little test taste of fear the game before you thought mm-hmm. maybe that would wake them up. Um, when, who was the underdog mm-hmm. that, uh, UCLA and, and UCLA so game I, a game. I even thought UCLA could beat them, and they only lost obviously on that last. Uh, like that was a, the true buzzer beater three pointer yeah. um, shot um, right after UCLA had just gotten the lead, um, and and, uh, and Gonzaga, Gonzaga did it, and I, I was rooting for UCLA for that upset at that point because you know they were the only double digit seed left in the tournament, and I was just. You know, I just, yeah. I just at that point you just want everybody's brackets to get fucked up when your own <laughs> right. when your own has been messed up. So yeah, so congratulations, Baylor. They won. They deserved it. They had they have a lot of NBA potential talent on that team, uh, especially handling the ball. Uh, they, they um yeah, they, good job, Baylor Bears. Baylor Bears. Bears. Baylor Bears. It sounds like such a, I don't know. It sounds like such a kid friendly name, but like. Their, their teams, both in football and basketball, look vicious. Like, yeah. Like, Baylor Bears makes me think of teddy bears. But, like, you kind of have to say, Wasn't like, your, like, Grizzly Bears. the Bears or something? Didn't yeah. you get, like, a, yeah. yeah. 
That's what it makes me think of. It's like this cuddly uh, teddy bear mascot for an elementary school. Right. Um, yeah, they, they got to say like, you know, grizzlies or like something like that to make him a little more frightening. I, my elementary school was was the Knights. And we had um, we had gray and maroon and gray were our colors. And I think it looks great in my mind. I like I think about that color scheme. And it looks great. I wish more teams would try out a maroon and gray. It's a really underutilized color combo. Just throwing it out there to the world. That's like a um, that's one you see in, in like the Jesuit leagues and like yeah. the Catholic leagues, right? Or some random Ivy League team would yeah. do that. Yeah, it's it's I like that though. It's like a stare. Is that the right word? Um, it's like that's not fancy, but it's just like mm-hmm. kind of classy. Um, okay, so I didn't I didn't hit you with any of my topics, so I'm going to make you stumble over these things and think about them on the fly. But I have a question for you, Frank. What are the Nets? What kind of team are they? What are they? When it comes to the playoffs, what are what are we going to be looking at coming in, out of Brooklyn in black and white? You mean on that hideous black and white court? Where yeah, like, <laughs> with the weird lighting. <laughs> it makes me claustrophobic uh, watching games that they play in Brooklyn. I yeah. don't like it. I feel like I have to adjust like the coloring on my TV. It's really, it's really weird. Um. <laughs> so are they... Because I was thinking, so the reason I was thinking this is because like the big game of the past like week or so was the was the Jazz uh, Suns, the like Titanic battle. The red, both teams were red hot. It was overtime. Right. The yeah, Suns, Cl- uh, Clippers had also had their own battle with the Suns, right? Uh, right, that's true. Week. Yeah, there was a lot of like uh, like the top four teams in the West are all eight and two in their last ten games. Yeah, the fourth being the Nuggets, and they're you know they're all looking really good. I think all four of those teams. Plus, you have to say the Lakers, just as a wild card, that's five teams that are legit championship teams, right? And over in the East, you have the Sixers, the Nets, the Bucks, and I don't know, like, is Atlanta really? Or is Miami really? I think the three the three teams are the Sixers, Nets, and Bucks out of the East. So you have eight teams, right, that, that you would think would not surprise anybody if they won the championship this year. But the, the one team that I – and I, I kind of consider all of those teams – equal you know the lakers again being a wild card based on if they have the the two best players in the league i don't know i'm I'm still holding out hope for for boston i still think when they when they when they fit things together a little bit so they could um, ruin somebody's party but wait hold on let me ask you my question real quick before you get into a Celtics tangent so (laughs) so i think of those teams i think they're all pretty equal except the one team that i don't understand and the reason i'm asking this question is are the nets are the Nets going to just like wake up in some series and become the Warriors 2.0 and just start lighting people up and putting up 150 every game and just making you run with them? Or are they just going to be this like weird half dysfunctional team that needs a lot of like mental health days and says weird shit on Twitter? Like, what are they? I don't understand. So they, you know, they haven't had their, their, their actual big three. Now they have like right. a big seven. <laughs> no, but like, uh, because they've they've got uh, Aldridge, what? yeah, and, Aldridge, and Blake, Blake Griffin. Aldridge has fit in really well so far. Yeah, has you have um, you seen him play with them yet? A, a little bit, yeah. He's yeah, like, no, I, I'm surprised. I mean, <laughs> they yeah. turn into an inside-out offense when he's out there, and it's kind of fascinating. It's like an amazing wrinkle that you didn't expect, where they throw him under there, and he can he'll still draw double teams for some reason when he's in the post, and that just leaves a killer shooter wide open every single time whoever it is out on the court and i i was listening um the other day 
to this uh, th- this recap of the game, they had they had Blake Griffin like mic'd up mm-hmm. for this game. Um, and even though he he did hardly anything stat wise in that game, but listening to the guy talking to the younger guys on that team, mm-hmm. it was actually pretty mind blowing. The effect that bringing these guys in, think I mean, think about who, who's Lamarcus Aldridge been playing with, who's who's he been coached by, right. you know, the yeah. last few years. Like these guys, um, so you know, he comes from the Spurs. Um, you know, Blake Griffin comes from uh, Blake's what, been coached Doc, by Van Gundy and Rivers and Doc so. Rivers. You know, yeah. and, and playing with Chris Paul. Like mm-hmm. if if he hasn't absorbed so much of that uh, like basketball IQ from, from playing under those guys and with those guys. And, and I mean, he's, he's telling, um, I think it was like Nick Claxton, um, that, that young center for them with mm-hmm. the kind of crazy hair. Yeah, He's a defensive wizard, that kid. Yeah. But Blake was like giving him tips on where to be positioned on the rebounds mm-hmm. and like how to, how to vocalize, like when he's doing this and when Blake should be that doing stuff. that, yeah. it, it was, it was awesome. I'm like, like this guy is mentoring the, and, and it, it shows me that, these new pieces they picked up, like they're, they're there to win a championship and make the team better. They're not out for their own numbers anymore. So, so I actually, I guess that that's a long winded way of saying the nets are, are both and that's okay. Cause they can, Mm -hmm. they could have the big three together or at least two of the, their big three really healthy and have no problem scoring 135 points. But I think if they, if, if they're not exactly hundred percent all the time, or they're, those guys aren't always gelling on offense that they have enough of these guys who are committed on the defensive side yeah, as well. And to, to rebound and play defense that they can actually get through a tough game where it's not all offense. And I didn't really think that like three months ago, but mm-hmm. now, now I do think that. All right. So, well, they've, they've tied the Sixers. Uh, this is, we're recording this on Monday night and the Sixers are currently spanking Dallas around a little bit. So, um, that could change by the time we record it. We're done recording, but um, yeah, the the Nets and Sixers are tied, exactly tied. When yeah, same amount of games and everything. Um, but there has been some some shifting in the standing since we last talked in like the middle level playoff teams um, in the East. Like I already kind of mentioned, uh, Atlanta has really gelled in a way that I that I thought that they had the talent to, but I didn't think they had the maturity to do, and I kind of like didn't even bring it up because of that. Um, but I was kind of waiting for the, like the way that young and, and Collins put up buckets and having Bogdanovich on that team and bringing Lou Williams in who, you know, is not like Lou Williams anymore, but as a guy can get you buckets, like, uh, they, there's just a lot of guys with a knack for scoring. And the thing about Bogdanovich, Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, is and something that I've been hyping to you and our friends for like two years on our text thread is that he is a stone cold motherfucking killer in the fourth quarter and he can handle the ball as a point guard in the fourth quarter. So instead of like making, having Trey young going out there and just being like, well, shit, like I'm a young, young, like flamethrower. I'm just going to go out and take every shot at the end of a game. You have Bogdanovich can carry the ball. You have Lou Williams can carry the ball. You just all of a sudden, like, I don't know. I I, have to, I feel like I have to watch Atlanta more closely than I have been because, like, while I don't think they're a contender, Atlanta and Miami are both teams that could really fuck somebody's title run up and like knock out one of the good teams just in a round or something like that. Um, yeah. So I definitely 
have seen that potential with Miami, obviously after what they did last year. Um, I'm, I'm shocked by the Hawks too. I, I did not expect this group of, of guys to come together, but um, yeah, I mean, is it the addition of Lou Williams? Like, is that just a think, nice, I don't think it's just that, <laughs> uh, but, but is it, it like, I, Some it's of it's sort health. of Bogdanovich being healthy the last like month has made a big difference too. He was, yeah. he was not really around all the time in the first part of the year. Yeah. I mean, by the way, Trey Young had 42 points last game. So like right. that, that's nice. Yeah, that helped. But I mean, he's been doing that before in games. And there was that whole drama where Collins like spoke up and was like, you can't just shoot all the time. Like we need to run like an offense out here. And there was like drama about that pre-trade deadline, but he was right. right. Like Trey Young has maturing to do as a player. Uh, You know, he's always going to be compared to Luca and Luca like doesn't, whether it's fair or not, I don't know. Cause I don't watch either of them every night, but Luca doesn't have that that like kind of vibe of like, he's going to take the shot, whether it's the right shot or not. Um, and Trey young definitely doesn't give a shit if it's the right shot or not. He's right. just like, I'm going to make, I'm going to make everything. Um, and we'll see. It's interesting. Uh, currently actually funny enough. Um, the Hawks are tied with the Mavericks in wins. <laughs> not that they're in the same conference, but uh, interesting. If, if Trey young makes the playoffs uh, the same year that Luca does um, uh, the, the, your Celtics have fallen a little bit, but um, the Bulls, as you predicted, have not taken off, even though I thought they would. So right. they're kind of like faltering. The Pacers are just a hot mess and don't know who they are. And the Knicks, I think, are just destined to be the eighth seed no matter what they do. Um, yeah. But we're seeing some other teams just fall off. Like, I feel like, I don't know, I don't, like, I don't know. The Wizards are not going to make the playoffs, right? Like, there's no way they're going to, they're only. Yeah, yeah, no, no they're not. I, I don't think they're going to make it now. Um, but yeah, so on on Boston, um, Jason Tatum just dropped fifty three points the other day. <laughs> he did um, <laughs> in a game where the rest of the team played like ass. They were yeah. terrible, and he carried them. I yeah. just don't. Do you think this was one of the things I wrote down? So so smooth smooth transition, Frank. Um, is and here's your time to shine, buddy. Is Boston fixable? Ah. Uh. Marcus Smart is still there, so yeah. I'm glad he's still there. He's like uh-huh. he's he's the X factor. Um, would you trade Jalen Brown? W- would you consider it now in a way that maybe you hadn't even like a year ago? Would you trade Jalen Brown to get somebody who is a better complement with Tatum? So I wanted or them Kemba, to do that or trade Kemba. I I wanted them to possibly trade Jalen Brown like last year, although his value wasn't as high last year. I think it was um, higher last year. You yeah, think it's I higher guess, this year? I guess for the time when every time Tatum's out, every time he's injured, Jalen like shines and starts to right. put up numbers. But and that, I guess that's part of the problem. It's like everybody else has to suck for Tatum to have like his fifty point game, and he has to play like hero ball and have a good night. Right. Uh, and that's kind of uh, a little bit of what their issue is right now. Um, <sighs> Also, they like yeah. they they haven't. I don't think they made good choices with their big men. But I will say, um, Tristan Thompson has looked fantastic uh, the last couple of weeks. I've seen a couple of Celtics games, and he, um, you know, he ha- he had been really down all year with COVID, and uh, he's just one of those players that I always love. And he's on the Celtics, so it's hard for me to love him. But um, he's like extremely efficient near the basket. He's strong as an ox. He gets boards. He's really smart on defense. 
Uh, and he gets you 10 points a game. Like it's not, he's not shooting jumpers out there and spreading the, the court or anything, but um, he's just a really smart physical player. And, uh, and I think he's a big boost for them, but even with that, I just, I don't know, like to me, the Celtics are just not, I don't think the Celtics are going to knock a better team out of the playoffs. I, don't, mm-hmm. I just don't, I think they're one, one round, you know, they could, if they played the Sixers, there could be that like, or the Nets, there could be that familiarity that helps them like be a pain in the ass. But um, I don't know. They're just weird. They're a weird team this year. Yeah, um, they are. And maybe it's just, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the Brown, Brown likes to score more now. And along with Tatum and Walker, I mean, who's really, who's really running things like a real point guard. That's, that's been their problem, right? Marcus smart had like is kind of forced into that role, but he's, yeah, he's limited offensively. It's that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. And (laughs) and he used to be more of like, um, you know, one of the spark plugs off the bench sometimes because they used to um, play around with now we're going to start Terry Rogera for a little while and that kind of stuff. But now Marcus is like, he's dependent on like you're a starter and we need this from you. It's not just this like extra boost in the game. So, um, meanwhile, Terry Rozier is balling out yeah. in Charlotte. And, I know uh, this, this is great. a move that makes Danny Ainge look look bad uh, for once. You know, well, Danny I mean, Ainge is not. He built his whole reputation on on fleecing Billy King. <laughs> <laughs> that's like not. You know, that's like. <laughs> I don't even know. What, I don't even know what that is the equivalent to, but it's like, it's like beating your like three-year-old at checkers. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. Like I fleeced Billy King and built a team around it. Um, the, uh, the Knicks are a hot mess, but I do want to shout out Derek Rose because um, he's still really a joy to watch, even if he's not the like physical freak that he used to be. Um, yeah. He has all the like the speed shifty crafty crap that, that Chris Paul made a career on. Yeah. You know, he knows all the angles. Will hold it for an extra split second when somebody else wouldn't. Um, I, I was watching the Knicks the other night, and I was just, just wanted to appreciate Derrick Rose. Like Derrick Rose, at one point, was one of the most fantastic, exciting basketball players I've ever seen in my life, and injuries derailed that massively. But he's still a good basketball player. It's fun to watch. I hope the Knicks figure out a little, um, a little bit better of a of a skill set mixture next year. Um, and I think they can. I think the Knicks, uh, I hope the Knicks make the playoffs, get beat, but everybody who's a Knicks fan is excited about the future. I feel like they should, they've, they've, they deserve it at this point. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're looking at who they would end up playing in the first round, it'd be, you'd think Philly or Brooklyn. Yeah. And they get um, smoked. And yeah, I, I think they get smoked by yeah. either team. Um, and you know what? I would think that familiarity thing you're talking about with, with the Celtics, like would, if, if you're Philly, would you be a little scared to get the two seed and play a two seven versus Boston? I'd rather play if I'm, if I'm Philly or Brooklyn, I'd rather play the Knicks or the Hornets. Yeah, definitely. But not because I think, I think the Celtics are probably a better team than the Knicks. I don't think they're a better team than the Hornets, but the Hornets are young. um, And, and, and the Hornets got nothing for Embiid. I mean, they just, there's, they're not going to be able to stop Embiid over a seven-game series. They just can't. Right. Um, but the Celtics are just so annoying, and Tristan Thompson is physical enough to, like, bother Embiid. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I don't think I don't think the Nets are going to be scared of anybody, and I don't think the Sixers are going to be scared of anybody. But I think you know a Celtics a rival is always tougher. Um, I want to ask you also about. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. Well, I'm just going to say. So there's a huge oh, yeah, bunch up from Atlanta, you know, down to New York and and beyond right. in, in the East. So I would yeah, say I still consider like, the Raptors and the Bulls like in play. Yeah, but I, I'd feel a lot more comfortable for the Celtics if they could get to four or five and have a four or five matchup versus like Atlanta. Then I'd be right. like, Hey, yeah, maybe they can get to the second round. Yeah. I'm not feeling so great about them if they're against Philly, Brooklyn or Milwaukee. So I, I think they've got to focus on finishing out the regular season strong and, and, and actually defense might be a, a bigger part of that. Um, if you're Atlanta, you're hoping that um, you're wanting, you want to play the Hornets and not the heat or the Celtics. You want to play the other young team right. and not the hard ass like veteran team that, you know, not that the Celtics aren't young, um, but they have the playoff experience. They've, they've been there a couple exactly. of years and Miami and Miami. I feel like if you're in Atlanta and you play Miami, you're going to get fucking ass handed to you. If Miami is, yeah. you know, remotely healthy, they're going to be like, you know, come here, young man. Let me, let me, yeah. let me teach you how playoff basketball looks like. Yeah. I think uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler is going to slit Trey Young's throat. Yeah. <laughs> And that's with, with Oladipo, with Oladipo, yeah, metaphorically. That's important. And Oladipo's <laughs> injury, I feel like, is going to be one of those things that like nags and doesn't go away. I didn't actually hear how long he's out for. Um, did you know what? Do you know what he's out for? No, no. Um, now I'm going to look that up real quick. Sorry, folks. Yeah. Um, oh, it says ten to fourteen days, so like two weeks. But I feel like it's something tells me that it's going to be one of those things where like he's back, but like you know, any given game, he might tweak it and not be himself. I still feel like, so even without Oladipo in the picture, I feel like Miami could just, it's just going to, would just bully a young team and and make them feel bad. Um, so the team that you have been all about all season and made what turns out to be so far the most significant deadline acquisition, your Denver Nuggets, your Nuggets yeah, are exactly. smoking people. You They're know what I was everybody. right about? And the Aaron Gordon yeah, he's been incredible I've, with that. I've watched with a bunch of their games. Yeah, it's like they're bro- they're long lost brothers or something. Oh my god, they they fit in great. Aaron Gordon is doing things that that I thought he could do. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he's he's being an unselfish player, playing yes. within the system that the Nuggets play, and it's His great. Passing's to see. been so good. Yeah, um, I saw there was a hilarious play where him and Jokic passed it back and forth so much, like neither of them wanted to shoot, and they were just like, "No, you have the good pass. No, you." you get the good look you get it and like you know there was like five passes between them in one sequence um so tell us tell us what it was you saw in Aaron Gordon that we're now seeing coming to fruition um I I saw a guy who just has an overall good good command uh, of the floor and and if he's not if he's not counted on to be like the one or two scorer or and doesn't have that kind of expectation and he's thought of as more sort of like like the the three and D kind of guy, although that's even not really what he is. Um, but like he's he's willing to be the like the glue guy. He's he's mm-hmm. playing defense. He's he's directing the offense from the top sometimes, you know, um, and distributing the ball. And he's shooting it when he's in the right spot to shoot it. And he's cutting to the hole when he's supposed to cut to the hole. And mm-hmm. like he just looks like a guy who has it has a good all-around game with with good size and and you know physical attributes to go with it and what's really cool is 
you want to go like the most ultra modern team you can build, you have a center and a power forward that can run the offense together from outside of the three point line. So you want to talk about being able to fuck up the other team's matchups. You're like, fine. Like we'll, we'll bring your center and your power forward out of the lane and then we'll get, we'll find a way to get Jamal Murray the ball somewhere where he has no big men in between him and the basket. And like, that's, that's a, that's a chess move right there. And it come a playoff game. Oh yeah. Um, it, and that's the thing. They're not even like Jamal Murray is not getting overused or overextended during the regular season. Right. Um, they're, they're, they're not like, they're not making him go out there and score a ton of points. Um, they don't he need can right when now. he needs to. When, he it, when, when, the, come, needs when to. the time comes, he's going to be able to do it. Yeah, and um, I, I guess what my description of Gordon and, and what it makes me think of sort of the situation and the situational change mm-hmm. is a little bit like Andre Iguodala when he left the Sixers for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. He, the Sixers, you know, drafted him high. Like these were these guys were both top what Iguodala picks. top ten picks. They're both top yeah. ten picks. Aaron Gordon was number four pick. Iggy was like eight or nine, I think. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. Iggy was eight, and uh, you know, very high expectations, but not necessarily the guy who is just gonna be trying to score more than twenty points a game. If yeah, you he's expect- not your foundation piece, right? He's not your foundation piece, and you don't want him with that kind of well-rounded skill set to be trying to play like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're in situations where that's expected, and it's not it's not their best game showing up. Um, but now, now that he's on this Nuggets team, I mean, he's going to be like that extra piece to help all the other parts fit together who can play on selfish ball and play defense and really good defense. He's an exceptional defensive player. Um, like it, it really makes me even that much more confident that the Nuggets are going to be sort of the, they've been sort of my outside favorite all year to, to win it all. Obviously people talk about, you know, the Nets and the, and the Lakers, um, and th- those are kind of like the sexy picks and, and Sixers and Suns and Jazz are doing well too. But the Nuggets, I, I think, have all the ingredients at this point. So, Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I think um, the trade deadline was really fruitful this year for basketball fans in general because uh, we have a lot more teams that I think at, at this point in the year than we might – having like eight teams or nine teams that were like any of these teams could win the championship – is not a normal thing in the NBA. I think it's usually more like there's like four teams that were like, those are the four teams that are good enough to win a championship. And we've doubled that this year. And I think it's going to make the playoffs really exciting. And like, there's a lot of wild cards. Like, like we, we already mentioned some of the, like which teams in the East could fuck shit up, but the Blazers and the Mavericks could totally fuck up somebody's series. Definitely. And, and, and fuck up everything. They've got some stars. Obviously they got Luka Doncic. They've got um, Dame. Dame, Dame Lillard, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, those guys can go off, and in a given series, mm-hmm. they they could basically be unstoppable. So, and the Grizz are fun, but they, I don't like. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the Grizzlies, the Spurs, the Warriors. You know, the Pelicans would be fun if they made it. They're not going to. But Zion, we should mention Zion's been an absolute goddamn monster <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> he, he really gave it to the Sixers um, and fucking just whooped on them the point that Doc Rivers was basically like, yeah, what are you going to do? Like (laughs) sometimes you just can't stop him. Um, But yeah, yeah, I don't think, I don't think they're good enough. He had his, um, I think he had his career high. The other night. Yeah. He scored a lot. And it was like, 
he, it's funny because he reminds me of I don't feel I feel like people don't say it at least I don't hear him but I think it's obvious like he reminds me of Charles Barkley where he's just like he's this big load of a dude who plays from his hips in a weird way like like all the weight shifts from his hips all the time even when he's on offense like like a hockey player just like bangs you out of the way and his footwork is incredible uh, he's like, he's like Charles Barkley to me. And I, I don't, maybe I'm saying something that a lot of people say, but I never hear anybody say it. That's who he reminds me of. I don't hear that, but you're right. That's good comp. I mean, a guy is basically like six, six. Um, if that they say Barkley wasn't really even six, six. Yeah. So, um, even though he was listed as that and, uh, yeah, like kind of like this little, like, like bowling ball around yeah. the uh, well, around the rim little only because he's a forward but right you know, little for like, not little. forward or center yeah um yeah i want to like if anybody listening if there's like younger people listening and you've never watched and you only know barkley as being like the fat goofy guy on tv <laughs> uh go back and watch some highlights of him when he was on the sixers or even like his mvp run with the with the suns he was a fast break machine he was like a, a like a single fast he was like a fast break by himself he would get boards and just romp down the court with a speed that you're like, this man should not be moving that fast. And he was a ferocious dunker. He could shoot. If Barkley played in modern basketball, he would be totally fine. And he'd be shooting like 38% from three, uh, you know, a couple times a game and would, would be a total plus he would work. Uh, yeah. Go, go watch him. He, he was awesome. Um, oh, yeah, I just want to say the, the one guy who I thought of, before but now that you say barkley i'm like oh yeah barkley definitely is a better comp but i thought larry johnson before from when he was yeah. on, when he was on charlotte hornets i was lj was a little more finesse right and i think that's where and now i'm seeing where my compare my comparison probably is more about like maybe he looks a little like him more than barkley because nobody's yeah. going to look like charles barkley he's like very <laughs> he's a very unique look with that um, you know, round mound of rebounds. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and yeah, LJ was, was a little more finesse around the basket. Yeah, he, he was, he was a, like turnarounds and, and yeah. fadeaways, that kind of stuff. He was an um, undersized power forward who, who could score a lot. Um, but he did not have that, that ferocity and that, that real, like, like you were saying, the sort of, uh, like hip strength. Yeah. <laughs> strength yeah. It's like a hips. hockey player. I love yeah. it. Zion's really fun to watch. All right. Um, I want to bring up, so a guy that we've talked about a lot, if, if anybody's been listening to our podcast this whole time, we talk about Chris Paul, like every podcast, I feel like, but I sent you that thing. I'm going to give full credit to a Reddit user named Archie Mumbles, um, who compiled these stats about Chris Paul. And I just want to throw these out there cause they're amazing. So this is the winning percentage of the team that Chris Paul joined the year before he got there. And then the year after he got there. So in his career, so the Hornets won had a 220 winning percentage the year before they got Chris Paul, went from 220 to a 463 winning percentage the year they got Chris Paul. Okay, that could be whatever. So then he goes to the Clippers, right? They had a 390 winning percentage. The next year, it goes up to a 606 winning percentage from Chris Paul. He goes to the Rockets. Six, they were pretty good already, but they had a 671 and then with him a 793. So he took a really good team and made them a historically good team. He goes to the Thunder, 598. They go to 611. Not as great, but he didn't really like it there. We know that. He goes to the Suns. They were 466, and now they're 720. So he um, he just makes you better. 
And also shout out to the number one comment who said, please, for the love of God, come to the Detroit Lions. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's I just wanted to that's our Chris. That's my Chris Paul love for the day. And I was watching him uh, play the jazz the other night and uh, he's just the best. And he's so angry at everybody all the time. It's great. He was coaching up uh, Booker. There was some somebody caught him on like a cell phone coaching up Booker. And uh, they got killed the other night by somebody. And uh, he was like work. They were getting they were down by like 30. And he was still he was like coaching up Booker during a timeout. It was great. Nice. Um, OK, uh, we covered the Suns and Jazz, the overtime game. Um, we covered the playoffs. What did I miss, Frank? How's um, Luca looking? What, how's Luca looking? Your MVP. <laughs> he's, he's looking good. But I, I think, you know, we talked about the Nuggets um, and. and um, Yo, get, yo, yeah, yeah, get. yeah. The Joker and and you talked about him. You said maybe he's your number one. He is um, my he's my MVP. It's it's not it's in no doubt for MVP. And I was yeah. like, yeah, he's he's in my top three. And I think the addition of Aaron Gordon and what's done on the team overall, and it, it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt the Joker's stats, and it might even help them mm-hmm. help his stats the rest of the season. I think he's my my favorite, um, you know, over Luca for the rest of the season. Um, for MVP, but yeah, so I, I still, I like what I'm seeing from the Mavericks. Um, they're still, there are a few games within, you know, Portland and the Lakers. Had, a, had some games the last couple of weeks. He's he did. Flying. He did. And that, and it's funny. Um, Porzingis, he's showing that, you know, people were calling him the unicorn when yeah. he was, uh, on the Knicks. Um, but I'm seeing that kind of play from him again. He's, he, he's starting to look a lot more comfortable. And I, I feel like it's, injury related like he's just feeling healthier right now the way he's moving out there the way he's finding the right spots um but they're doing this these plays sometimes where where luca um kind of shovels it back to uh um a, a trailing Przingis who shoots like a like 26.3 pointer and and that's unicorn like a dude who's who's that tall and can nail threes like that. It's like, he's a, a confident three point shooter too. When he pulls yeah. up, he's like, I'm going to make this shot. Um, which always just, I think it's really unique for, uh, for a seven footer, obviously, hence the unicorn thing. Yeah. I mean, M- MB shoots threes and, and he's, he's pretty confident in his threes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, MB shoots him, I think partially because it's a way to help the team when he needs like, to not be like banging down below as like, not, I don't want to say he's taking a play off. Cause I think he's consciously doing a lot less of that now than he used to. He's getting smarter about the way he, he runs his body out there. Um, but I think sometimes Embiid, I don't, the, I'm just saying like the subtle difference, I guess, is that I think Porzingis looks to shoot threes as part of his game. Whereas, does. Uh, whereas yeah. Embiid utilizes them as part of his game. Yeah. No, Porzingis is doing it a lot. And mm-hmm. he's looking pretty good doing it. He 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 does look more natural doing it that, than Embiid. Um, but Embiid's he he picks the right spots usually when when he kind of finds himself yeah. um, in the flow of the offense, kind of a little bit open out there. He's like, all right, yeah, you guys are leaving me open. I I can shoot a little bit, and he throws up a three, and that's <laughs> pretty damn good for a seven footer. And, and and yeah, I think it helps, um, you know, make the defense think about it so that he can maybe get uh, a little bit more open in the lane later on. Um, right. Like, yeah. Which will help him. Cause he's not as bulky. Um, Przingis anyway. Um, right. One thing, another, uh, I want to talk, I'm going to get a little like 
um, inside baseball in the Sixers right now for, for the fans listening that aren't necessarily watching the Sixers every day. I know basketball, basketball is pretty national, but you also end up watching your conference a lot. Um, the Sixers have a young player, young man named Paul Reed that I want to give a shout out to. Paul Reed was the one of the last picks in the draft last year out of du, uh, DuPaul scrawny six, nine kids, kid playing small forward. Um, he went to the G league where he was both rookie of the year and MVP of the G league this season. And then he came up to the Sixers. Um, he's, he's not getting a ton of minutes, but here's the thing. Like if you, if you look at him now versus a year ago, he's putting on that NBA weight in a good way. Um, and this is a highly skilled kid that I just want people to know his name. He, he had a big, he had a breakout game against the Grizzlies a couple weeks ago where he had 10 points in like 10 minutes kind of thing, grabbed tons of boards, just scrapping all over the place. He's only getting spot minutes now, so he's not developing, but just put your, put your, put your, uh, put the name Paul Reed in your brains, Frank and audience. Uh, this kid can play and he's going to be starting for the Sixers or at least getting significant minutes within the next year or so. Yeah, and he's got monster dunk potential too. So tons of monster dunk potential. He he plays with a little chip on his shoulder, which I like. Yeah, yeah I love him. He's a really smart player, uh, and it's just something. It's something you really notice with the young kids coming into the league when their when their bodies are not their adult bodies yet. You know, like and and some of these kids they come in. So you're gonna see, we're seeing it with uh, with Wiseman in Golden State who got hurt, but um, he's gonna put on weight and and get stronger not like fat but he's going to get stronger and stronger muscle uh this you know he's obviously a higher profile pick but um i just think i I just love this paul reed kid i think he's going to be really exciting the sixers have young players who are very intriguing i I like um i don't know if a lot of america knows that like they for a team that has superstars and is the you know tied for the first seed in the in the playoffs right now at the east they um they have a lot of young talent and the nets do too i have to admit the nets have a lot of young guys behind the big three or whatever big five now but he said um they have a lot of young guys they didn't give up all of them in the in the trade so uh um yeah paul reed just put him out there um i just gotta say real quick uh la clippers we like never talk about the clippers yes, but they they're making that leap i mean I do remember maybe it was a couple of shows ago. I said, uh, these guys still, when, when they can put it together, mm-hmm. um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are two of the best players in the league. Like one of the best duos in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and I said, I think they're going to find their rhythm at some point and they're probably being a little patient, kind of biding their time for the playoffs, but they seem to have brought things to that next level recently. Mm-hmm. Um, they're winning lots of games and both those guys are playing. Paul George is playing, at a high level every night. Um, obviously, they got the addition of Rajon Rondo, who another uh, perimeter, had, another excellent perimeter defender. Yeah, let's see. And and tonight, um, but Beverly's hurt, right? Tonight, Didn't I read that? Yeah, Beverly's hurt. So Kawhi took one of his you know many rest days. Yeah, but uh, but the Clippers won anyway. Marcus Morris had thirty three points. Paul George had thirty two points. What did um, my boy uh, Herz, Herz, Herzog or whatever his name is do? Herzl, what's his um, name? Are you thinking of Zubek? No, the big center. Or the yeah, if the big center is Zubek. No, the guy from the Lakers. Har- oh, Montrez Harrell. Harrell, that's the guy I was thinking of. Um, 
Oh, he's on the Lakers. He's That's the right. Lakers. He went from the Clippers yeah. to the Lakers. Yeah, That's he right. He switched. To, yeah, when the Clippers were that like like you know nasty, dirty defensive team, it was like right, right, right. Montrez Harrell. And, uh, I knew he. I knew he. Um, I knew he uh, went from one to the other. I just had it backwards. Yeah, but, and they've got that uh, that nice young player, Terrence Mann, comes off the bench. Um, the Lakers beat. Um, who did the Lakers beat? Uh, the Nets. Oh, they beat the Nets. The like the yeah. like. Not no Braun, no Davis Lakers gave it to the Nets. And and afterwards, uh Kevin Durant said that he didn't really care that much about winning championships. <laughs> so people love that. They're um the Nets are so weird. I know we already covered that, it's, but it, it is weird that weird they would team. lose to that Lakers squad. Um and, and they did have what they Durant and, and Kyrie playing. Yeah. Um it was like Kyle Kuzma and and you know Harrell. <laughs> yeah going off i mean the lakers uh lebron lebron has has had worse supporting cast that is there's, there's no doubt about that they're they're still a solid team without lebron and anthony davis they're not going to scare anybody but they have decent players and they're not going to just fall apart like uh the year after bron left cleveland and Kyrie just like gave up on basketball and they were the worst team ever um yeah <laughs> all right so we have um we are now at the point where let me hold on count that we are wait are we that close to the end oh i'm the wrong every time i look to the standings it switches to last year's and it throws me off it's so weird um we are about 45 games into the season now so you know we're the home stretch is coming but you know as we saw the last two weeks since we talked um there's still been shifting in the standings you know uh there's still a lot of jockeying going on in these playoff positions. And as we talked about, some of these matchups are really going to matter depending on, you know, who you don't want to play. Um, and I, I just, I just gotta say, um, we didn't talk about Ray John Rondo. Like they're, st- they're finally starting to let him play a little bit on, on the Clippers and he's making some contributions. He had a 15 point game, 10 point game, um, you know, some decent assists. So um, and I know he's like, he's like one of your favorite guys to watch. I, I would just say like, watch out to see if they keep working him up to possibly take a starting, um, position, maybe put Reggie Jackson on the bench as like, I like that. Jackson is like a microwave. Off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. You exactly. want him coming off. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I talk about a guy who wasn't used in his last place. Um, uh, I was going to say, I was going to say before we got on, I was looking, when I was looking at the standings, I was like, uh. I was thinking like I was going through all the teams that I've watched play more than the Clippers this year. I was like, man, like the Clippers are like, like down there with like the Kings for, for like teams that I haven't watched. And I think part of it is just like they, um, they're, you know, they play on the West coast and I just don't stay up that late. See, that's, that's always been my jam. I know you stay up and watch the West coast Coast basketball. And I watch the, I'm like when the games are over at nine 30 on the East coast or nine o'clock, I'm like, all right, (laughs) this is great. Going to bed. Um, I, I feel like I've hardly seen the Bucks this season, but like I've seen the Kings more than the Bucks. Like that's where I'm at. The Bucks. Um, I watched them a couple. I didn't watch whole games, but I, I tuned into them a couple times over the past week or two. And uh, Holiday is balling right now. He is. He's really finding himself. And uh, it's funny. He. Um, he's such a. I, I forget he's on that team. team. I know. Uh, unless I'm watching them or watching their highlights, I forget Holiday's on the team. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah. I'm like okay, but, they're they are pretty good. But that tells you, man, like I was not a big, I always thought Milwaukee was, was a paper tiger, as they say, the last couple of years. And not just because of the, like after the playoffs, I just thought like, 
Giannis was limited, but it's funny, like the last two years, they romped through the regular season and didn't impress me this year. They're in third and I'm much more in, impressed by them as a team. I think Giannis has grown in the ways that I, that I kind of asked, hoping he would not that I asked him, but like in our conversations um, and holiday holiday is just, he's nothing but a net positive for you. He can score. He can handle the ball. He's a fucking bulldog on defense. He's if you ask some players around the league, they'll tell you he's the best perimeter player in the league defensively um he's just so good and middleton's still really good and lopez is still a nice player out there they got they got some stuff the kid from villanova can play a little bit um what's his name d Vincenzo. yeah d whatever yeah who uh played in one of the greatest national championship games of all time um yes (laughs) yeah a a day that will live in infamy for uh carolina Tar Heels fans (laughs) But uh, it was a hell of a game, though. It was it was a hell of a game, and Carolina went on a a major revenge tour the following season and won the championship. So I'm totally fine with Villanova getting the championship. You know what's funny is uh, I feel like as much as I'm much more of a professional football and professional basketball fan than I am the colleges. The best college football game I ever saw my or best football game I ever saw in my life was the Vince Young Reggie Bush Rose Bowl. Without I don't even hesitate to say it. That game was like from start to finish, like just electrifying, incredible football. And the best college basketball game or the best basketball game I've ever seen was that Villanova, North Carolina uh, finals game. Uh, yeah. It was just incredible basketball, straight front to back matchup of styles, dramatic ending, all that stuff. It was just great. So, you know, you never know where you're going to see it. That's the fun of sports. All right. So I think we covered it, Frank. Um, I, li- I like this Monday. We do it like right after the weekend. Um, it's kind of a fun spot. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Works you, have, well. um, you got anything else you want to, you want to throw out there before we say goodbye to the people? Uh, no, no, I, th- I think we covered, covered everything I, I want to talk about, but uh, yeah. I, Miles I guess... fucking bridges. Miles, <laughs> Miles fucking bridges. Yeah. Bridges. That was a sick dunk. Yeah. So awesome. I have to yeah, find the and, audio. And look like up, uh, look up Paul Reed dunk too. Right. Yeah, Paul Reed dunks are awesome too. Yeah. I'm just gonna start collecting all my favorite dunkers and talking about them every podcast, and, uh, and you'll really get the pure Josh experience uh, for basketball. Just dunking, it's great. Um, all right, cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. Th- Frank, great to talk to you. Great to have you on. Um, all right, and we'll let's do this again soon. All right, see you, Josh. Later. Network.